As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So games fall in left, right and centre, but one thing that can be relied upon at the moment, it seems, is City to get the points. A 4-0 win at Newcastle, and not without a few headlines, has done wonders because combined with results elsewhere, Pep Guardiola will spend Christmas Day three points clear at the top of the Premier League. Three top flight records were broken by City on Sunday too, so everything is coming up Millhouse. Welcome to Why Always Us, this is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney, with me this morning is Sam Lee. Hi Sam. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, a bit fresh. It's long early. Old, long old drag to Newcastle, isn't it? But, yeah, it's early and cold for me. Okay. That's that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that that's Britain for you. <laughs> there we go. Uh, if you sign up to the Athletic right now, you can read all the Sam's stuff on City. And if you sign up now, you'll get thirty three percent off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Um, I said it at the start there, Sam. Uh, chew on this one. City top of the Premier League at Christmas for only the third time. Uh, in the previous two other seasons, they were top at Christmas. They won the title. That was uh, in Mancini's uh, first title winning season, 11-12, and Guardiola's first title winning season, uh, 17-18. And the last three times the team that was at the top uh, didn't win the league at Christmas uh, when they were top at Christmas. Uh, it was City that swooped in instead. So, um, yeah. there's, there's It's all plenty. Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah, it's isn't always it Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, it's Liverpool 13-14, Liverpool. Liverpool 1819 and Liverpool 2021, uh, top of the league at Christmas, yeah. didn't win it. City swooped in instead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the omens are good, aren't they? I wrote I wrote about this actually in my article. Um, obviously, they broke the record as well for most wins in the calendar year. And um, the question that I heard yesterday was, you know, does, does, does it matter stats like that? And obviously, ultimately, it doesn't. But what the stat actually shows is if you've got the most wins in a calendar year, especially if you add in extra context as well, it obviously shows that you're a very good, stable team. And the extra context yeah. being... Yeah, I think I think we've mentioned this before, but the extra context being, this time last year, City had just beaten Southampton. And I'd, I was going to say, I'd love to listen to that podcast. I wouldn't. But <laughs> City had just beaten Southampton. And we, remember... We, were, we was, were down on it all, weren't we? Yeah. Well, I, I remember it was a... They just needed to win that game. It was. It seemed like the only time in the entire Guardiola reign... It did not matter one bit how they played. They just had to win, which obviously, you know, for Pep is the complete opposite, isn't it? You know, he was saying yesterday it was a good result, but they played really badly. Yeah. Like he, he, he won't say, oh, well, we won, so I'm happy. But that Southampton game, they just needed to win because it was after the West Brom game and then the one before that was the Manchester derby. So they just, they just needed to win. And obviously they did. And then it kicked off after that. But if you go back a year, there was obviously no guarantee that City were even going to win the title that year, let alone motor through to this point where obviously Liverpool are still in the race as well, and to a lesser extent now Chelsea. So you can't take anything for granted. But the fact that they've gone, won the Premier League in such a way, and then continued that consistency all the way through when there were players who wanted to leave, there was players who naturally might just think, oh, we've won the trophy now, Let's, you know, we'll just slack off. Even if you don't consciously think that, it yeah, can Yeah, you have that, you have that they, post-trophy drop-off. Just, just to motor through and get that record which in itself doesn't mean anything but if you i think if you take a step back and look at the whole thing it's it shows what what a great what a great team it is <laughs> i mean it that seems to be my default um setting if there's not an awful lot else to say about a city game yeah. look how great they are but i mean but what can you say 
what yeah, can you say? It's, it's kind of it is big picture thinking, though, isn't it? That's the thing. Uh, we'll come back to that uh, a, a, um, a bit later on in the show, Sam. But first, I want to start with uh, the picture at the at the top of the table because um, City obviously now three points clear of Liverpool, six points clear of Chelsea. Um, is this a title race where you feel it's still going to keep changing hands through the season? Or do you get the impression that yeah. City are, are kind of feeling like they're in the mood right now to put one of those runs together? You know, the runs that suddenly you look you look, you look back in the season and suddenly, oh, for, I, I didn't realise that was happening at the time, but there, there's 18 wins in a row at that point. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, now it's already eight, isasn't it? And when I heard that yesterday, I was like, oh, obviously I'd, I'd seen those games. I've been at most of them. I was like, but yeah, you think, oh, eight games in a row, is it? Are they doing it again? Um, and this is something I wouldn't necessarily expect because I remember when I came back from, was it Canada or my shoulder surgery? Probably the surgery. And thinking they might struggle at home against teams that make it difficult for them because they miss chances. And all of a sudden they've just they've just been blitzing everyone basically. And obviously they got you know they got they got the best goal difference in the league now. How helped obviously by by the Leeds game and then to the lesser except Newcastle. But yeah, but in terms of it changing hands, I do I do think so. Because like I'm sure people were punching the air yesterday when Liverpool um drew. And you know that's that's not personal experience. Uh <laughs> but it's only three points, isn't it? So the the other week after what game was it? The Wolves game, me and John were were driving back to mine. Um John Smith at goal. And we had we had the radio on. And it was the Liverpool game going on. And obviously that was tight against Villa at that point. It was nil-nil. Yeah. And Chelsea were losing at that point. But then the commentator read through the table and it was like one and two points in it. And I just went, you know what? I mean, obviously at the end of the season, if, if you drop points, it's all going to add up. But at this stage, so even if even if the other two teams had dropped any points that day, it wouldn't have made any difference. It's, it's such a, it's so small a margin. The thing is with Chelsea, it's only six points and you can get that back. But that trajectory they're on, suggest that they ain't going to get closer anytime soon. Obviously, they might because it's football and anything could happen. But what you would think now, and it could be wrong, is but what you would think is Chelsea are probably out of it. Just the way, not just the results, but the way they've been playing. So even when they beat Watford on the night that City beat Villa, they didn't play particularly well. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they just got past Leeds, didn't they, last weekend? So they're having a bit of a wobble. So you wonder about them. But Liverpool, I mean, look, at, at any point, if City were to lose a game, look, Arsenal are going well now. Let's just say New Year's Day, City lose to Arsenal, Liverpool win. Well, there you go. Level, so, level on points. three points. Yeah, simple I, as that. So yeah, I mean, City, City are much, much better. No, I don't know if they're much better. I think overall, God, this is a bit, this is another debate. I didn't want to go down. <laughs> I think overall, because City have won so many more trophies, they're so much more consistent. But I think. At you know top performance, like when Liverpool over the, that course of those two years, when they finished second in eighteen nineteen, won the Champions League and they won the title the next year. When they get to that level, they're unbelievable. But yeah. it's just maintaining that. And obviously, yesterday there was so much talk about oh, you know, how much does Van Dijk mean to them? You know, when he doesn't play, does it go to pieces? And you think at City. Tempted fate big time here, but there's not too many players like that, is there? Oh, there's Sam, not too, there's not too why many have you done players. that? I know, I know. There's, there's, there's probably Rodri you probably wouldn't want to lose at this point. Um, but we've seen with City, even with De Bruyne, they can cope without him. Um, and De Bruyne is so good that if anything were to happen to Bernardo, you could put De Bruyne in, and it might not be the same, but in my opinion, they're still going to win games. So, yeah, the, lo- the long answer was that, and the short answer is Liverpool aren't out of it here. Yeah. Yeah, I just wonder if um, I, I, I wonder if if we've kind of seen City's blip for this season. You, you know, you, each of those teams has a blip in them in the season, and I just wonder if we look at like Palace and Southampton as, as cities, and Liverpool have, have maybe um, mm. maybe like, imagine your blip coming like six games into the season. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's it's I, I, it's I also I also think like you look at how Chelsea are playing it, that they could be smack bang in the middle of theirs now. Liverpool not been um, as imperious as they were a bit earlier in the season maybe they've maybe they've had a little bit of a uh, a downturn in fortunes and both of them will pick up in the last few weeks and then it makes it a really difficult title race again so um yeah i know I like my boss is just like and i know a lot of people my boss when i whenever i speak to him he's just like yeah it's just going to get to the point in a few months where city are miles ahead and i'm like really i just see it being really close with liverpool but yeah may, maybe there is like an objective thing there about because liverpool are still really good obviously but there is a bit of a 
a bit more of a defensive fragility than they've had in previous seasons. Um, when I was going through that Edison article the other week about City, and I looked at that, you know, the average quality of chance that teams allow, and how City's was terrible in that 2019-20 season, and it's it was the lowest for five seasons before that, and it's actually the lowest tally, or the worst tally, I should say, of any team since in terms of they were City were allowing on average high quality chances against. Yeah. Them. Or higher quality than the rest, um, but Liverpool this season have, have got the worst tally, and I think I think that number is over those seven years I talked about. I think Liverpool's is is second to City in that twenty nineteen twenty season. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that Liverpool are allowing their their opponents high quality chances because you just wouldn't you you'd think that maybe they're allowing a lot of chances for whatever reason. Let's say let's just say in our minds eye they're too open. For, for whatever reason now, when the fullbacks go forward, they can't cover him behind. Or, or maybe Van Dijk can't make amends to the same extent since his knee injury or whatever. But yeah, it's also the it's also the quality of chances on average. So yeah, yeah. that is definitely definitely one to keep an eye on. But I would yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be expecting Liverpool to go away too quickly. Yeah, don't hang your hat on that one. Um, I also, I, I know a lot of City fans, uh, alongside myself, were berating Spurs yesterday for missing some of those chances that they were missing. Good, goodness me, some of them were uh, were like it, it was City esque at times. Some of the some of the chances. Yeah, I've not seen it. I was listening on the radio on the way back, yeah. and I only heard the second half. I mean, yeah, it sounds it, fun. I'm I'm, go- I'm definitely going to catch the highlights. It, it, like it, it was very game. much like watching City miss some of their chances that they miss. Um, yeah, and it's even worse when it's another team, isn't it? Yeah, oh god, you can, yeah. You can kind of feel like. I don't know. It's like it's your own team. It's a bit like it's your own family, isn't it? You can kind of forgive them for anything, but if someone else is doing it, yeah, just finish them off, lads. Come on, do us a favour. Yeah, exactly. That's all you need to do, right? Yeah. Um, Sam, you mentioned uh, the most top flight wins in a calendar year uh, earlier on. That's thirty four. Uh, previously, was uh, Liverpool thirty three in nineteen eighty two. Um, eight teams took points off City in the whole of twenty twenty one. It could uh, change with the with the final two games as we record, but that middle game might not uh, might not happen. Uh, depending on the well, who knows about them, really? Well, yeah, of course. Uh, but it was Brighton, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester United, Southampton, Tottenham. They were the only teams to. Take, take points off City in uh, in 2021, which mm-hmm. when like on, on the face of it, you think like it, it seems like quite it a long like list, a lot. but yeah. actually, like that is remarkably small. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the other teams stack up against that. Um, obviously, Chelsea were in a bit of transition anyway, so even if they had 15 teams, you'd understand it. Uh, and in fact, Liverpool were terrible, weren't they? So, yeah, yeah also, I'm sure te- that would be much smaller than everybody else, won't it? But take into account as well, think of like the Brighton game, which was a weird one after they'd won the title. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, for the sure. Che- the Chelsea the, game. The, Lead, the Leeds game as well. The, Chelsea, Chelsea and Leeds, they'd rotated because of the Champions League focus. Yeah. It's really, really, really uh, context heavy at the end of that season as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, you could probably say the same for Chelsea. Like, they, they'd got rid of Lampard, new manager. Liverpool didn't have Van Dijk, although obviously they pro- properly imploded. Well, to be fair, they didn't have any centre-backs at the end. When your midfielders have to play at the back, you got two problems, and that's what yeah. City had a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, but then also, you mentioned Tottenham. That first game of the season, to me, is just is absolutely irrelevant. Like That's as irrelevant to me as the... Apart from the fact that actual points were lost. In terms of the performance and why it happened, it was exactly the same as the Community Shield. Like, they just weren't fit, and it was just not a... Not a ready team, so yeah. Um, I know. Look, obviously, every team could pick through everyone and say this, this, and this happened. But there are there are performances in there. Like when United, when United won at the Etihad, fine. When Southampton took points off them, fine. When yeah. Palace, won, Palace won, yeah, fine, fine. I mean, you can say there were mistakes, but Palace forced those mistakes, so fine. Yeah, um, they're just very difficult to beat, aren't they? <laughs> they're, just, they're, just, they're just, just, they're just really, really good. It's unbelievable, really. Yeah, and I mean, like the it's it's as you say that remarkable level of consistency. Um, but for like when you look at it as kind of Guardiola City as a whole, um, I, I did a little bit of rough maths after the game uh, with Newcastle about this because City have changed in style throughout Guardiola's time. You can see how it's evolved from from the start to where it is now. Um, but it's again, it's remarkable just how consistent they've been in that time. They've been so reliable between I make it like August 2017 to May 2019, and then January 2021 to now, and that's about 34 months of of Guardiola's 65 months in charge, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in in football yeah, terms, like it's it? It, it's it's relentless in football terms. And I'm trying to work out if the squad's changed a lot or if it hasn't. 
because it doesn't seem like it in terms of the additions they've made from 2017 when obviously they brought in Edison and Bernardo and people like that they've only made little tweaks here and there haven't they and obviously there's been there've been a time when they didn't sign the center back that they wanted and then they've waited a year and obviously that that ended up being Diaz um and you know they didn't get they've consistently Jorginho not they, signed a left back and they waited a year yeah they've not signed a left back but um, just in terms of like so they didn't get Jorginho and then they waited and they got Rodri like there's, there are summers where they only sign one or two players. But, I mean, if you were to compare the 2017-18 team now, well, to the one now, it would be it would look very different. But it's been a gradual change, hasn't it? There has been no, probably contrary to what City and Guardiola wanted, actually, especially last summer, there has been no radical shake-up. So the fact that he's managed to keep them going, and I, I should also say how the players have managed to keep themselves going as well, because, you know, we've talked about the man management thing in the past and how they haven't always been running brick thought they haven't always been running through brick walls for Pep. They've been doing it for each other, really, yeah. at times. Um but whichever way you slice it, Guardiola's done a fantastic job. The players have done a fantastic job. The club have done a fantastic job to get the right people in. Um I mean I had a bit of look along the way because there's players they wanted to sell going back to the very start. Um and obviously there's players who've wanted to go but not been able to like Cancelo, for example, you know, if Cancelo had gone during that that first lockdown when football was paused, we'd never have known what what a ridiculous player he, he could that's, have been for City. That's Obviously, a proper, in the yeah. summer as well. But that Cancelo one, when you think about it, that's a proper sliding doors moment because when you like he he would probably have never hit this form or style of play elsewhere. And no, he'd have probably gone back to playing like a really good yeah. right back somewhere. Um, and but also, well, in fact, you, he might have ended up at Barca, might he? And he might yeah. have just been like. There's no way, he, he, like, even even if, and this is unlikely, that whoever the Barca manager had been would have got him to come inside and do all this great stuff through the middle. There's no way he could have carried them to, to yeah. better than they are now. So he might but have looked the, like a proper flop. But then the flip side is that if you'd have asked City fans in that first lockdown, would they be sad to see Cancelo go? I think most of us would have said, well, to be honest, not really. If, the, if there's a replacement no, coming in, it's no. fine. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, like it's it's a it's a real sliding doors moment, um, and just on the like on the consistency thing as well. You like you take out Guardiola's first season because that was obviously a it, it was a huge season of transition uh, where they didn't uh, they, they didn't quite you could see where he was going with it all, but it was still kind of you've got so much to learn and so much to build on. Um, it's been about eighteen months of his, of his entire time where they've been a bit hit and miss, and that was basically the the twenty nineteen twenty season uh, and the first half of uh, of last season, which obviously they went on to to do great things last season. So it's it, it really has been a a, a remarkable um I, 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 it sounds like i'm summing up the guardiola area, area. Yeah, is conversation for when, yeah. this is a conversation for when he goes but i'm and not also, I'm genuinely not it's, it's the end of the it's year a conversation for halfway through the season when whoever replaces him is third in the table 12 yeah. points off the leaders and you go oh god yeah so let's leave that I well let's let, let's park anyway, yeah. that one for now yeah um yeah. the other record that uh they broke was uh the most goals in a calendar year 106 uh again with uh, with two games to play um they they themselves it's not as impressive this one because they themselves held the record uh previously for this it was 102 in uh, in 2017 but uh they've all, they've done all that without a striker sam and here we are about to have yeah. that debate once again <laughs> no we're not um <laughs> i mean one of the stats i saw was that there was a higher that's in the premier league there's there has been a higher tally, but that higher tally was uh, 1963. It was Arsenal. Yeah. So when I was told this last night on the phone, while I was speaking to my editor, he was, oh, they've also scored the most goals in the calendar year since not. Uh, no. And it, I was like, oh, I was, I was, I was like, who's, I was, like, who did that before? I was like, well, that, I was like, I guess that would have been. I was thinking of teams who have been consistent to have won a Premier League title. And then one won the next year. Yeah. There's only really Chelsea or United. So I was like, was it was it United or Chelsea? It was, it was Arsenal. I was like, oh, okay, thinking like 2004, and it was like in 1963. I was like, right, okay. <laughs> and I mean, they've got, and they've got six more. I mean, to be fair, I don't even know. They might have played a million more games. They might have played less. Um, but I mean, if City do play their next two games, which we don't know about, it's feasible that they could tie that or or better it. Um, but yeah, without a striker, we. I mean, we. We've said all there is to be said on this. In fact, we haven't. I can actually add a bit of information to it. And that's, you know, we've been debating whether City are better without a striker or not. Yeah. Well, without a striker, let's say it gives them more control and we could 
we could suppose that Guardiola, because he's all about control, he would therefore think, well, the best way to get to a Champions League final maybe is without a strike. And we go with a false nine. We've got more passes, more control. And and therefore, maybe he's thinking, because this season's gone so well, as well as how last season went, maybe he's thinking, oh, we don't need a striker. But no, he's he's still bang up for it. Yeah. And like he, he ba- his thoughts on a striker are basically the same as ours. Um, to to the to the extent that it's if if City drop points or if they are to drop points in the future, and we're all having our stupid media and fan discussions about our striker this, and you know you ask him on the touchline after the game and he's and he just like he's just angry because he's like no it's not about striker apparently in his head he is thinking fuck's sake I wish we had a striker <laughs> so right. so yeah they're they're still very they're still very keen to have one but it's it is an interesting debate isn't it and it, are, we, are we looking at january or are we looking at the summer do you think i don't know i don't i don't know i don't know um i just don't know um i don't i don't think it's i think it's a lot of us to get the ones they want yeah i do I think, th- Kane I think and Haaland of- are still the top ones like i've not heard anything about vlahovic that's not to say that he's not a target but the conversations i've had have been about how kane would be a good fit and how Haaland would be an, an option that they'd love. I've not heard anything about Vlahovic. I'm a bit sceptical about that one, actually, because the first time he was ever linked to City, it was a report on Italy saying it was deal done and he's like going to fly over to Manchester, and obviously it didn't happen. So you just think, is everything else kind of spawned from that? Yeah. So I'm a bit suspicious about that one. But I might, I might be completely wrong, and they might sign him in January and I look stupid, but... Uh, just, I, I haven't got a heap of transfer info at the moment, but I thought it was interesting that the Pep and City would still absolutely love a striker as long as it's the right one. Yeah, I think um, a lot of us um, would. I think I think it's more hope than expectation for January for a lot of us because I think uh, it, it for some reason it just doesn't really feel like the sort of thing City would do. Do you know what I mean? Well, if the player's available, so they bought Laporte, didn't they? Because yeah. Suddenly he he was available. He rang them up and said, "I made a mistake in not joining you." 18 months ago is it still on now and they were like okay yeah great like if they can get if they can get the type of player they would sign in the summer they will get They'll go they will it. they will they will get them but it's just very difficult so it's like is Haaland available i don't know the way rayola's talking which you can never you know that that's probably all for show but the way rayola's talking it sounds extremely open and blah 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 but to be fair before pep came to city I remember speaking to his agent and all the talk was, oh, we've got loads of offers on the table. You know, it could be any English club. There's Chelsea, there's there's Brazil, blah, blah, blah. And obviously it was just always going to be City, wasn't it? Um, so maybe, we'll, we'll see. But um, the thing is, it'd be funny if one day we're having the debate of, are they better off without a striker when whoever it is they sign isn't scoring the goals. But then yeah. I just thought, if Haaland does sign, there's no way he's not scoring. Yeah. Like, it'd be unbelievable. Oh, God, can you imagine? Yeah. There'd be proper uproar as well from around the Premier League. Like, let's say they do sign him in January, and let's say City are like, let's say it's like the end of January, and City are like seven or eight points clear by then for whatever reason. And then they why, why do they well. need then him? It's going to be proper fume that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from this, from a lot of the same people who probably it's just said not at the fair. Start of the season they need a striker. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot of that. That yeah. is proper. God, that is that is proper. <laughs> Twitter is just imagining people to get wound up about stuff but yeah there we go <laughs> yeah um we can indulge in a bit of that it's christmas isn't it? i do it's yeah festive season have a bit of fun this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more head over to michelobultra.com slash courtside to learn more Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Uh, other record that I wanted to mention, Sam, most away wins in a calendar year. Uh, City now on 18, beating Tottenham 17 from uh, 1960. Um, I, just a, a, a quick thought on that. I wondered how much behind closed doors games had helped on that, maybe. Um, just because uh, it, it was it, it was the sense that City could just go there, do the job, get on with it, and then um, kind of come home. But then you look at this season, and they've actually been pretty good away yeah. from home this, uh, the, the, in, in the yeah. g- games that I've had fans in as well. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I'm 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 glad that that the talk of Old oh, City only won the league because of behind closed door stuff didn't really take off, did it? I thought there would have been a lot of a uh, a lot of the moronic football Twitter elements would have just said that because you know let let's just find a way to discredit anything good. But no, it didn't really take off. And the, the, I mean, the argument would have been, well, they've won titles with fans, and now look, they're they're playing the same way. So the, okay, there would have been what six months of Consistent wins away from home. Yeah, before when there was no fans, and now there's another six months of consistent wins away from home with fans. So the common denominator there is City being good, but also it's I think they they just get more space away from home, don't they? Well, I, I'm I'm interested in this because um, I wondered if if since fans certainly since fans have returned. Um, if City have been have found it a little bit easier away from the Etihad, purely because it, it was something I was trying to get Guardiola to bite at in one of the press conferences recently, and he didn't really. Um, but it's this Definitely. it's this element of um, you know when when they're seeing games out or when uh, they have to make a non emotional decision, and they've got fifty thousand fans in the Etihad going, "No, yeah. there's space, yeah. go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it." And they make the wrong choice, or they make the choice that they wouldn't make if it was a pure coaching session. Guardiola saying, "No, look, here's what you need to do," sort of thing. And I just wondered if if that kind of pressure from the fans to uh, to kind of go and win the game is uh, is 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 causing them to make the wrong decision here and the. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Uh, it's definitely possible, isn't it? And before there was, there would have been less obligation to to go out and attack and take the game to them anyway, and then. Yeah, I think that that all ties into what you're saying. It, it is it is a good point. Um, so yeah, arguably harder in the first part of the year and easier in the second. But either either way, like the the one constant is City keep winning. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus another record recently uh, that was I think this was the Aston Villa game, wasn't it? That uh, Guardiola became the fastest manager to 150 Premier League wins. Just wanted to chuck that in because it's uh, we're, we're talking about broken records for, uh, for for the last week or so. Um, just again to, to to shine on his consistency at City. Yeah, again, it's yeah. I mean, we you can do all you can to to talk about how brilliant it is while it's happening. Um, but it probably is only going to be afterwards, and probably only going to be like if if he leaves, presumably at the end of a the season, there'll be the usual couple of weeks worth of of praise, like after any title win, whether it's Liverpool or anyone else, and then you know everyone will move on with whatever's going on that summer, and then you forget about it, and and that's the thing with winning a title, you've really got to enjoy it while it's happening. I remember saying this when City was steaming ahead in like March last year. I was like, just enjoy it while it's happening because as soon as it's gone in the summer. You start worrying about transfers, and then the next yeah. season starts, and all of a sudden, there's no, there's no consolation in being champion if your team isn't living up to what you hope for the for the next season. So it's just gone. But then, there, so there'll be a load of praise for Pep when he goes, um, an incredible amount because I don't think we'll listen anything like it. But then, only then, if the next guy isn't doing so well, will it get perhaps full appreciation? Yeah, because people don't appreciate for whatever reason. It's the old thing about never seen a bag of money score a goal kind of thing and like the, the joke about the midway through last season when people were like oh yeah the money just decided to wake up and and make City win again halfway through last season like obviously there's much more to it than that but I think only when maybe the same squad of players could potentially struggle under the next manager look maybe the next manager comes in and is great and then you'll have people saying then you'll have people saying oh well if, if he can Guardiola's not always cracked up to me. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> but if if the if the other guy dip, drops off or suffer, or suffers from a drop off that isn't necessarily his fault which is probably more likely then there'd be another round of this guy was incredible wasn't he but yeah. i mean I, I i don't know i don't know what else to say the guy is well i do think uh, just on that the guy i do is think a um i do think we as fans need to uh, enjoy it because i don't i, I genuinely don't think it's ever going to get this good again um, and that's I, I think it's it's important sometimes to take a step back and just enjoy what's going on because like you say the next guy might do really really well but it, it just it still might not live up to the standards that that Guardiola has set 
Um, and like we've we've talked about it being basically eighteen months of his tenure that wasn't quite up to scratch. And the, the, one of the reasons why I'm I'm desperate for them to retain this title again is it makes it four titles in five years under under Guardiola. You can't, it's, you it's, can't it's, argue with that. It, 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 it's I was going to say it's almost irrefutable because there'll be people that do argue against it, but it's but they're just the loons on on the internet, and that's it. And yeah. Like the it, you think where he was when he signed that contract extension, and um, we were like, well, I'm not it's not really sure he's still got the hunger for it anymore. And now, kind of, I mean, what are we? Twelve months on from that, just over. And you look at, at where they are, and they're in a, a, such a good position to go on and 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 do even more. I just think it's it, it's such a good thing for him to be able to look back on that time and go, no, I reinvented it, I, I rejuvenated a side and, uh, and and got them back to where I wanted them to be after a, after a bit of a drop off. So I, that that's more than anything why I want them to to, to do well this season. Um, just to just to really kind of cement his legacy because it, it's daft that it needs cementing given what he's done at the club. But you can yeah, already hear the, the conversations, can't you? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, exactly. Let's uh, let's reflect on some of the players from the Newcastle game because we're half an hour in, Sam, and we've barely talked about the game that they've uh, that they've just played a four 0 win at, uh, at St James's Park. Um, interestingly, Guardiola said yeah. after the game about uh, he said that he dropped that thing in again, didn't he? About players deserving their place, yep. um, which is a bit odd yep. after a seven yep. 0 win. Something's uh, happened. Yeah, pack schedule, rotation, all that sort of thing. Where are we at with it all? Well, it was the classic thing of. And I've already explained this a lot, and I guess people who listen to this podcast a lot won't be, you know, casual readers or listeners. So I guess they'll know what I'm talking about. But so around this time last year, the Porto was it the Porto game was a dead rubber at the end of the Champions League, and Guardiola had spent the first few months of the season talking about the schedule and killing the players and all of this, and then it was just an honest, uh, an honest, an honest, innocent question before one of the that last Champions League game. It was like, okay, you've got Porto in a few days. Will that be an opportunity to rest players? You know, with the context being because you don't go, you don't stop going on about how there's no gaps in the schedule. And he was like, "No, it's not about resting. You know, everyone's everyone's got to pull their weight, and if they don't pull their weight, they're not. You know, they're, they're not going to be in this team. You know, they just because they they've won trophies in the past, they can't think that they've guaranteed a place. And it turned out that that was about Laporte, and to a lesser extent Sterling at the time, but mainly about Laporte because obviously he'd lost his place. And then obviously in March after that Southampton game, same thing. Oh, you've got big games coming up, Champions League, whatever. It's a, it must be a good opportunity to to rotate your players. And he was like, nope. And it was obviously that big, thinly veiled message to Sterling, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was like, any, anyone who helps me through the season is going to be in the team, and any and everybody else is going to stay on the bench. And obviously, Sterling had kicked off about not being in that team against Southampton, so Guardiola was doing the usual, not naming any names, and you wouldn't necessarily know it unless you were looking out for it or... Or you were the person he was talking about, yeah. <laughs> that, well, you, not necessarily the person. You wouldn't even think there was a problem, really. If you were just doing... If you were, if you were Jeff Shreves on that occasion who does a million interviews with every manager, you wouldn't know that that's what Guardiola does and why he does No, it. I mean, I, I mean, if Sterling was listening to that, he'd, he'd know that was oh, about yeah. Him. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure he would. But basically, nobody else would even pick up on there on there being a problem whatsoever. Um, so then... <laughs> same kind of vein yesterday i wonder how many people noticed it but yeah it was the same thing oh obviously you made changes to the front line in particular yesterday and the question was oh you managed to rotate how important is that going to be over christmas and it i can't remember exactly what he said and i've not heard it since but like to paraphrase it was basically well he said i didn't rotate today like so i've cut the guy off in his tracks i didn't rotate today and then it was the usual you know I, i picked the right players for this game but you know you've got to have the right blah 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 to play and it was all of that so you just think right Who's upset him now? What's <laughs> happened? Um, but I mean, if you look at the Leeds, the Leeds game, obviously Stones didn't play, but Stones came on, and Stones didn't play because Cancelo came back in at right back. So yeah. you you know that you wouldn't have thought Stones has done anything. Um, and then the other two changes were Foden and Grealish, and they both scored, and then they didn't play, and they didn't come on. So again, I may be massively reading between the lines here. But so some I mean, some dots I mean, to be enjoyed. I mean, yeah, we don't we I don't mean, know we, we don't know if they're the right ones, but yeah. Yeah. I mean I might be reading between the lines. Well, I mean I am, but also I know why I'm reading between the lines. Because this is just how Pep does it. But yeah, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, something's happened. And then yeah. So it's it's interesting that he's talking about that. And maybe it's maybe it's something else, maybe it's somebody else. I don't know, Gundogan didn't play, did he? And he came on at half time. Maybe maybe Gundogan's really pissed off Guardiola, which seems unlikely. Um <laughs> They'll, they'll all yeah, come back so, in there for Leicester, though, and score twice. Well, of course they will. Yeah, of course so. they will. Uh, well, I mean, well, I suppose possibly. Mahrez scored and Sterling scored. So, 
it maybe keep them in the team if they keep training now this week and you know the game goes ahead and all the players are fit. That I mean that that'll be interesting. But um, yeah, again, not saying this it's a it's a major problem, but there's it's just interesting that something's clearly um, inspired him to come up with one of those answers. <laughs> inspired. It's funny when he does it. It yeah. is funny when he does it. It inspired wasn't the verb I was going to go for, to be honest. But there we are. It's uh, yeah. I, I I was trying to think of a of a less harsh synonym for annoyed because because you know maybe not annoyed him, but uh, you know just kind of like little little rankle for him. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, ultimately, if he's left people out because he's not happy, then it's probably more than annoyed. But it's all part it's all part of the season, isn't it? It's all part of you know we we talk about their consistency and and coming back after winning titles and going again and all this kind of stuff and doing it without majorly refreshing the squad at any point. Oh, this is this is how you do it, really. And yeah. I talked about the man management as well, and they they might not always be his biggest fan, but they'll keep doing it. It's all part of it, isn't it? Like may, maybe players who are left out. Well, definitely players who are left out are going to be pissed off, but the the show the show does go on, and that's the beauty of it. So. Yeah, these things these things are normal in football, and like at the other end of the spectrum, you've got someone like Solskjaer at United who seemingly didn't make any difficult decisions ever. And didn't want to drop people, didn't want to rotate people if they weren't performing or whatever. And the players it. started getting pissed off with that as well. Yeah. And obviously he didn't have the authority and the, the ability of Guardiola or whatever. But that Guardiola full package, even if people don't always like him, is still, you know, you can't keep a team at, that, at the top at that level for so long unless you're doing something right. So, yeah. Well, yeah, what it, was it, it on the Amazon it, documentary? If you need to hate me, hate me. That's the. Yeah, exa- yeah. Great, great quote. Great quote. That sums it up perfectly. He's yeah. not asked as long as you play. Like yeah. he does, he doesn't care now. Before, when he was at Barca, he really cared if the players liked him or not, and like he, because obviously he was so close to a lot of them. When they started in the third or fourth seasons, thinking fuck, like he he took that really personally. Now he's not asked as long as you play. They they genuinely can hate him. He's he's not bothered. Um, but as long as you play and win and and you know do what they're doing, and that's exactly what's happened. So yeah, I suppose it'd be interesting to see if everyone's fit. What happens against Leicester in terms of that lineup? Yeah, game will get called off now, so uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be, be, be six weeks before they play again. Um, let's uh, let's look at a couple of players that did play. Uh, we talked briefly about uh, Cancelo already, Sam. Um, just more of the same from him, wasn't it? But this time from from right back. I mean, Newcastle Newcastle really helped him in both his assist and his goal. But like, if you if you yeah. get given that invitation, then you take it, don't you? That's it's as simple as that, really. Well, the the goal was mad, wasn't it? It was just it was just like a little. You know, like if you're watching, if you're streaming something on TV or on the phone, and it, and it just glitches for a second, like you just immediately just like what what was that? Like because it's just something that's not expected. And when Kieran Clark ducked out of that header, you're just like what what has happened? Like that doesn't <laughs> that sh- that shouldn't happen. And then you just think, well, okay, well who's there? Okay, Diaz is there. He's like three yards out. He's just not going to miss. It was the most <laughs> ridiculous mistake. And like, as we said, City didn't play particularly well, did they? And in terms of it's interesting. Well, it's not interesting. It's kind of reassuring to know, actually, because I, I did commentary for the game, co-commentary on the game on the radio, so I didn't have I was, any kind uh, yeah, of preconceived I, I, ideas. I didn't mention this, but what on earth was that about? Where did that come from? I asked. Oh, really? I didn't because uh, I was. I was yeah. going to say I didn't. I didn't think. Uh, I thought Radio Manchester was just kind of like Mike Miney and ex-player. I didn't think they had uh, kind of like journalist pundit on there along with alongside. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't, but it was during the Leipzig game. Obviously, I couldn't go. I was watching on TV. And I just thought. I was. I can't remember what made me think. I was. Oh, that'd be good. I might as well ask. And then he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll have to see. Like, I have to check with a load of people." I was like, "It might not, might not happen." And then I saw him uh, after the Wolves game, and he was, "Oh yeah, it might be possible." I was like, "Okay, probably best to stick to an Etihad game because in terms of I've still got to do my athletic job as well and write an article after the game and do all the Q and A stuff beforehand and afterwards." Um, and he was like, "What about Newcastle?" I was like, "Right, so it's a three-hour drive. Don't really like, don't know the lay of the land. We'll have to file from my car." But yeah, so I just asked because I thought. I just thought it would be a big, it's a big challenge. Like I've done like radio and TV before and I could talk about City and answer the questions like now, but obviously watching the game develop and and trying to say he's doing this, he's doing this and, and have enough material for, to, to kind of relay things that happen in life. I was like, that'd be a big challenge. So yeah, I just thought, I thought I'd be up for it. Um, But the thing is, I was on with Alex Bruce as well, who obviously knows a lot about Newcastle and is a former player. So he, and also you, it it could have been a a former player. It could have been anyone, you know, you've got somebody else to share the, the kind of airway for somebody to come in and say, this is what's happening or this is what I think. And even if it's a load of bollocks, you know, you're not speaking, you're not having to speak, but I might, I might be doing the Arsenal game as well when it would just be me and Mike. (laughs) <laughs> so that that will be a bigger challenge as well because that that's then talking for 
you know, I, I don't know, probably half an hour, 35 minutes of every half, maybe a bit less actually. But everything you've got to add feels like you need you need to make it worthwhile. So yeah, it just it's just a, a challenge I, w- I wanted to do. Didn't think I'd be able to do it, and it just came to me. Unfortunately, it came to me to ask, and then fortunately, I've been able to. Um, but yeah, so watching the game yesterday, obviously couldn't go on Twitter. Didn't see anything. Didn't get didn't get anybody's preconceived ideas or agendas or whatever. It was all just mine. I was like, they're not playing particularly well. Here. Obviously, they're two 0 at half time. I was like, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound too down on them because obviously they've not let Newcastle have a lot of the ball. They've not let them really have much of a threat on the counter-attack, even though there was a bit of jeopardy in it, wasn't there? But it wasn't a lot. And I was like, it's going to be like a local Manchester audience, probably a lot of people who don't know who I am slash do and don't like me. I don't I don't want to be going on the radio and the first thing is talking about how, how they didn't play particularly <laughs> well and they're tuning up at half-time. But I was like, if you look at the way, to, to bring it back now to what we were talking about, if you look at the way that Guardiola analyzes the game in terms of chances created, even if you want to just boil it down to the XG, if you take out the horrendous Newcastle mistake and Cancelo just doing something brilliant individually, City didn't create anything really, did they? And Newcastle didn't either, but it was just a very sloppy game. Players giving the ball away. There was no control, which I think... Yeah. First, first half... To, it's easy to say then. no Gundogan, but I think yeah. no Gundogan um, didn't help with that. Um, and then obviously the second half was better. I think in the second half, basically, they just brought everybody closer together. And that's one thing that helped me when you... Because it's and this maybe this is just my problem, but when you're there to write, you look every time the ball goes out of play, or maybe if the ball's at the back, you're looking down at your laptop, you're making notes, you might be tweeting, you might be looking at Twitter, and you, you just it's easier to miss things. But when you're literally forced to watch the game and your brain's thinking he's moving here, he's moving there, what's going on there, th- that was also something I wanted to get out of it as well. And then I think during the second half. Alex was talking about oh they've obviously Guardiola's obviously said something to them at half time in terms of you know be less sloppy and I was thinking well it was said something but also he wouldn't he wouldn't have just said be less sloppy he'd have said you do this you do this you do this you do this and that's yeah. how we be less sloppy and I was thinking I was like they've all come into the middle like whereas in the first half De Bruyne was kind of on the front line and Bernardo was over with with Sterling on the left both of those were in the middle with Rodri and um. Jesus about half an hour into the game, maybe 35 minutes, started dropping off into the false nine as well. And I just think City brought everyone in the middle, loads of short passes, keep control. And as I was thinking that, they found Zinchenko in that inside space, in in space, and he played the ball tomorrow's for 3-0. And yeah. I think that that's that's how they they were much more comfortable in the second half. And like when you think they bring on Sat Maximin at half time, and he looked dangerous straight away, didn't he? But he probably didn't have a touch about 15, 20 minutes. Because City just completely took it away from them. And Strong to go back game. all the way, Guardiola did say, didn't he? He didn't like the performance at all. And he was like, but I'm happy because it shows we've got a margin to improve. So he, he, after the Wolves game, he said about how he wasn't happy how they managed the end of the game. And he could just tell he'd have been talking to the players about it that week and possibly even, he might even go into it, you know, when it comes to the big Champions League games. But this Newcastle game, I'm sure it'd probably be, it'd probably be speaking to the players as if they lost to an extent, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because he obviously yeah. wasn't. I don't think he was too happy with the overall flow of the game, particularly in the first half. But yeah, um, e- even so. But one of the questions on the radio afterwards as well was, oh, this feels like one of those big wins you look back on when you win the title. I was on there. Because although they didn't play well, one of those wins where you look back on is... It's a specific year, game, isn't it? Yeah. They, yeah, and it's always... You normally have to score late for that. Do you remember when they played Villa last year and it was the one with that when Rodri was deemed not to be offside but he was coming back and Villa were really pissed off and in fact everybody was really pissed off Yeah, but they, but City had missed loads of chances it had been a real battle and they didn't score until like the 76th minute or whatever it was and then they had they another mi- one they missed a penalty on. at the end and they missed a penalty uh, right at the end to make it 3-0 and, they, and okay. I, I think Sterling put, popped it over in that way that, that City always right. seemed to do yeah Okay, I don't remember that, but yeah, um, it, it's those kind of wins, or to you know, to open it up to another club, Liverpool's win against Wolves the other week. You know, those are the wins that you look back on and say it's that. I thought yesterday, even though they didn't play well, was still too easy, and I think that goes to show it wasn't one of those wins because it wasn't that difficult, and that goes to show how good they are. Yeah, they, they didn't need it to be difficult. They didn't need to dig in and score to the end. I mean, that said, they did get lucky with the first goal, didn't they? And they had Cancelo to pop up and do that, but they. The way they just controlled it in the second half, because if Newcastle had have got a goal on the break at two one, it would have been very difficult. But it just never got to that stage because yeah. they just kind of 
had the slippers on in the second half and just did really well. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Couple of thoughts on uh, players at the back as well, Sam, because um, I, th- I think it's interesting. Uh, Edison, I thought, was a little bit shaky throughout, but um, he pulls off a cracking save when he needs to to keep that clean sheet. Yeah. And, and Laporte as well. I've been quite annoyed by Laporte recently, and I can't really put my finger on why. It's just like little things have been annoying me. Um, but again, I thought he did really well. Yes. Um, yeah, Laporte was really good. You're right about Edison. Because he dropped the first catch, didn't he? And then he dropped the first catch. And that was that the one where he kind of flattened Wilson and they wanted a penalty for that? And you think the ref might give it just because he's seen a mistake and then somebody go down. Yeah, and normally that, you that, think, that yeah, okay, wasn't. That's bad. But um, And then he, he dropped another one, which to be fair was when Wilson flattened him. I think it was Wilson, maybe LaSalle. Yeah. Couldn't tell from where it was because the shirt numbers, are, you're just not seeing those shirt numbers in the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was a bit winded. And that that was before, a couple of minutes before, he came out and, and cleaned out Fraser. Um, and basically, after listening to 606, the football phone-in, for an hour and a half on the way home, I've, I've got no energy whatsoever to discuss whether no, that was a penalty or not. I've got I, very I, strong views on it, and I think you have. But I, I, I think they're I think very different. Yeah, I, just I think no we're opposite care. ends as well, but I don't care either, so let's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that was when, because I, I was thinking after that, genuinely after he kind of, he got winded and I could see him kind of hands on his knees a bit. I was like, uh, hopefully he just like switches back on. And then he came rushing out and, and clattered Fraser, <laughs> thing, for fuck's sake. And then the same thing, second half, he... he He'd kind of steadied himself a bit, and then he dropped a catch, and you think, "Oh God, he's 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 been a bit." You know, by then the game was up anyway; it didn't matter. But I was like, he's, I was like, he's been a bit sloppy today, and then he pulled off that fantastic save, and he did make a couple of fantastic passes, which set City off on on good transitions. Um, but yeah, not one of his best games, and not Sinchenko's either. The amount of times Sinchenko gave the ball away in the first half, but then he immediately made up for it himself by winning the ball back. Like it was, it was unusual for him to give the ball away so often. It was one of his sloppier games for sure, but he still, what, he set up one goal. What about, possibly, possibly had a big hand in the other, I can't remember now. He says, having just talked about how much he had to concentrate on the game. <laughs> um, so yeah, and Laporte's been really good. And I was um, I was messaging a guy, the guy who was with Pep and Bielsa in Argentina in 2006. I, I spoke about him before, but he's now an analyst for Argentina. Um, and he still loves Pep, he loves Bielsa, he loves Juan Malio and all of yeah. that. Um, and he messaged me the other night after the Leeds game. He was like, because we were talking about it. And he was like, I'm going to watch it more tomorrow. And it, once he'd watched it, he just messaged me three words. And he was like, I just love Laporte. No, I love Laporte. That wouldn't be three words, would it? Yeah, that would be just four. Him. And yeah, uh, he goes, I love Laporte. And I was like, why? I was like, and then he didn't reply. Because I was like, I just wanted to hear what he said. But he's a bit of a maniac. And I was like, what? <laughs> just the way he carries. And then I went, why? Just the way he carries the ball forward, the way he brings it forward. He went, yeah. I was like, right, okay. So basically, this there is no more to this story other than Laporte is really good and this guy I speak to is a genius, but he's an absolute maniac. Like, you just can't... Excellent. The thing is as well, he's always, always asking me, is Pep going to manage the national team? Whenever we speak, and it's been less and less as the year's gone on, but we've probably spoken three times in the last month now. Every time he's asked me about Pep managing the national team. And I asked him the other night, I was like, do you know what he's going to do? And he went, yeah. And then I was like, who's it going to be? And he was like, I know and but basically, he, he just rode back so completely. And the fact that this sounds like nonsense, I was showing Phil Hay, and I was like, I was like, look at this. I was like, you can't make heads or tail of this. I was like, this guy, this guy is mad. I was like, he knows exactly why he's talking about football wise. And I was just, I don't. But the thing is, he he's so mad in terms of asking about what Pep's going to do, and then 
clearly knowing something. It seems like he knows something. It, it's he's just a really, a really strange character. But he keeps he keeps mentioning pep men, um, managing a national team. When uh, when does um, Southgate's contract end? I know. Just signed I've, a new I've, one, hasn't I've, he? I've, I've, I've really got a big feeling it will be England, but maybe that's just you know hope rather than Wish, wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I mean, one thing this guy did say he goes maybe it'll be a like an international team with less history. You know, so like not like Brazil or not obviously not Spain, but not Italy, no, not these big established countries. England. So I'm, I'm thinking either America. <laughs> All of a sudden, we've got into this debate of yeah, what's he doing next when yeah. he leaves? But um, I'd love it to be because it would be England. The FA would have him drop of a hat I'm sure um, America makes sense he was saying Holland and I was like well Holland have very distinctly got a history, got a history. but to be fair it's, it is also Pep's history isn't it basically I yeah. know he's Spanish but it's all Cruyff yeah and I know Cruyff wasn't the first one to start it there was all influences and they, they were British and other, other other Dutchmen and stuff but it's all the same kind of football anyway um, yeah Laporte good <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've done very well at dancing away from the point on this one haven't we um, I yeah well finish... I mean he is like he's, uh, the thing is he is a he is a little inconsistent isn't he and there was one yesterday where they played a ball through Diaz and Laporte and I'm not saying they were at fault for that but when it when it got to Wilson I think on the edge of the box and Laporte was back pedalling a bit he got a bit tied up again you know when he he shows you his number yeah, and he just—I mean, it was nothing. It came to nothing, but that it was at that moment. And maybe this is my preconception rather than the reality. But I was a bit like, "Oh God, is Laporte going to be, you know, beaten too easily?" But um, he—he he is very good. I think the shines come off him a bit after last season in terms of how we think about him. Because before last season, I think we'd have said he was golden boy. Now we're looking at him a bit, thinking, "Oh, he's going to do this. He's going to do that." And that might be completely unfair. But what I would say is, well, going back to what Pep says about staying in the team. Laporte wouldn't be on the, on this team on favours, particularly after what happened last season. Yeah. So he is obviously doing well that we can see, and he's obviously doing well in the sense of if Guardiola's happy, then we should be as well. Yeah. Um, I want to finish on this, Sam, because and I've, I've purposely kept this topic to the end uh, because we don't know what's going to happen at the Premier League meeting on uh, Monday. We're recording currently Monday morning. Um, just want to talk a little word on COVID and, and, and City um, yeah. because uh, obviously we we don't know if, if games are going to be suspended. We don't know if... The, the, the talk is, I think the athletic story was that that middle round of games between Christmas and New Year might be... Yeah, might so be which would be back, Brentford for which City. Which would be Brentford, yeah. Um, so that, it might be that the Leicester game because I had the Brentford game doesn't. It might be that they both that they attempt to get them both ahead. It might be that they pause the thing. We just don't know at the moment in time. Um, I've just seen a, a tweet from uh, Mike Keegan as well uh, about, uh, about Guardiola. Uh, Pep, uh, read it out verbatim. Pep Guardiola stunned staff at the vaccination centre next to the Etihad recently when he strolled in unannounced and asked for his booster. Um, so yeah. uh, there's, that's, that's uh, Guardiola's thoughts on it. Or what's, just, uh, just quickly, I don't know if you know what the vaccination rate is like at City, but it doesn't seem like they've had too many problems with outbreaks or anything like that. Well, no, but you can't really put two and two together there because as no, we no. know, anyone who's vaccinated can get it anyway, and especially at the moment when um, when things are waning and stuff. Um, so it's, that's kind of the problem with vaccine passports, but that's a whole other debate, isn't it? Uh, God, that's that's another podcast entirely <laughs> on a different subject. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you can't put two and two together there. I mean, from what I can tell, it's obviously when you speak to people around the players, it's a very personal thing, isn't it? But whenever you get to a chance to say, you you know, you're talking about the game, you're talking about contracts or whatever, go, oh, by the way, have they been vaccinated? It's not, you don't always get the answers back, but from what I yeah. can piece together, I think they've got, I think they're pretty good. There was something last week about United being very low. Um, and obviously I think the general perception is across football that it's a lower percentage of footballers having uh, than the general population, and I think the the assumption would probably be that City are struggling as well as any as anybody else is. But I, I think I think City are all right actually, yeah. not because they've not had infections, but um, but just from kind of what just from what I hear, yeah, yeah. from from people around the players and around the club and that kind of thing, I, um, and from around Guardiola as well. Guardiola's got no major problems with it, and. You know, he's, Guardiola's not as outspoken as Klopp on it, but obviously his thoughts are the same. Yeah, for, um, from what I gather, and I, I, I don't think he's got any issues with like players not not doing their duty as he would see it or anything like that, or as Klopp would see it certainly because he said that himself, hasn't he? <laughs> so no, I don't think there's any any problems there. And obviously, yeah, like you say, they've they've avoided outbreaks. So I do think they've had one or two cases recently, um, but obviously the key thing is that hasn't spread and maybe yeah. that's just the protocols changing the the tests 
being every day, or maybe it's that, just that, that, that was my thinking. Rigidly that. sticking to the protocols. Yeah, that, but that I think was across the Premier League now, let let's say a player comes in this morning at any club in the country and tests positive. The thing is, they have to wait in their car before they have the tests. Um, you know that was that was the new Premier League guidance that was reported last week. So they can't go and mix. You know, the, whereas before two weeks ago, I don't know what the testing was. They have it twice a week, three times a week, or whatever. But obviously. You could test negative, but obviously you could still be carrying it, which is still a bit of an issue now because even if you sit in your car and deliver a negative test and you're carrying it, then you're going to be mixing with them. Yeah. But that's lesser. But obviously if you were to test negative on the Monday and then be tested again on, let's say, Thursday, but you you developed it on Tuesday, on Tuesday, you would have been mixing and then that's probably how loads of players have started to get it because the protocols weren't rigid enough. Um, but now they are. So that, that should help. Um, Obviously, I guess like we'll see with the Chelsea one because Tuchel said he wouldn't be surprised if there was more positives today. And obviously, if those guys played yesterday, and Tuchel said, you know, they're making they're, they're making us still have team meals and travel on the same bus and carry on as normal, but there might be more of the positives in the squad, which I completely get. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if City are more rigidly holding up their own protocols before the Premier League said right testing every day. I don't know if they're taking it more seriously than the clubs or if they've just been lucky. Um, probably a mixture of everything really yeah like i went out saturday after the wolves game and i woke up the next day thinking like how like if i if i didn't if i didn't get pick up anything there it would be a miracle sort of thing and obviously and then we got an email from city saying somebody who'd been in the press lounge for the wolves game had since tested positive and to get checked but everyone i know did do a test and didn't get it either so yeah. it is possible to kind of you can still be in those situations you can still have nights out even and be around loads of people outside of any kind of bubble whatsoever and still not get it so yeah it's i mean I, I, of, of I, luck and, and protocol i was going to say that because i in the in the months since uh, the world has has opened up uh, basically myself and my partner have been on a crash course of how to catch covid and uh, somehow have avoided catching it so um yeah every time i've been out uh, three times i think since the world opened up in the uk yeah um and each each time i thought oh god but it's been all right. So, I mean, hopefully Touchwood, it was the same at Newcastle. But yeah, um, yeah, it, that, that's the point, basically. You, you, you can still be involved in these situations and, and get lucky. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you can be locking yourself down. And get really unlucky. Yeah. And, the, and, and all the doctors and the, the people at the training ground are saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And, and maybe they're still, I don't know. I don't know if they're still, you know, got to eat on you know, four people per table or whatever. No meetings indoors. I don't think that's the case, but... There, there must there must be some combination of of luck and judgment going on. Yeah, I guess we'll find out a bit later on, Sam. But do you know, do you have any idea where City stand on postponements? I'm, I'm, my, my gut instinct would be that they just want to get games played if they can do. Uh, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think the 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 logic behind the Premier League, maybe. Well, I don't think it's the Premier League's idea, is it? It's the club's idea. But the logic behind knocking out this middle f- fixture which would for City be Brentford, is if your squad is stretched by COVID, you can't, justifiably, you can't really ask them to play two days later yeah. if you've got 11 players in your squad rather than 20. Like that, that does make a lot of sense. So maybe the Premier League would go for that. I mean, I don't, I think they'd be loath to miss any games because of how big Christmas football is around the world. Um, so that would be interesting. But then from City's point of view, normally you would think anything that says, we need to look after the players. We'll make our lives easier by not playing this week when it's sandwiched between, you know, Leicester and Arsenal. That I think that would make City's life easier. Normally, I think they would be lobbying right for that. But I do wonder if they're thinking, well, we haven't got COVID here. Every, yeah. Everyone else has. We can, you know, we can build a lead at the top of the table here. Now, I don't know which side of the line they would fall on. I don't know whether they would say, we'll give ourselves the rest and, you know, get, keep the players fresh or think selfishly well i suppose both 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 ways are selfish in that sporting way you know wanting the best for your team yeah it the, would, other, the best I, thing I, for the team I, might be actually let's put the hammer down here and establish a bit of a lead yeah it feels like if city have no or few cases um as as they do at the moment as has been reported at the moment i think it's i i think it's kind of win-win they either get the rest or they get the games played and they're in a good position either way it's only when they they start to get cases that it becomes a problem i think and i, I we just don't know where we you don't you don't know where that's going to creep up on you do you it could be it, it, they could end up in a situation where they where they've they've got a, a, a real outbreak to to contend with later down the line. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I suppose the great the greater thing is, and this is why it's a mess with the 
the government guidelines being be careful, but also we're not going to make you be careful. Like you, you've got the the moral obligation of you've still got fans coming to the to the to the game on public transport when when everything's spreading really quickly. Yeah, but also you've got the Premier League probably thinking, but don't don't care so much as long as the games can go on. Um, could they could they go I mean, back we'll behind see. closed doors? Oh, I I saw I saw Simon Stone at the BBC tweet last week that saying they would be more willing to look at reduced capacity rather than behind closed doors straight away. Yeah. And I think as it stands now, if they were to make that decision today, I'd say just com- complete speculation and conjecture. They'd say, carry on. But if the government says, they'll probably wait for the government, actually. Easiest way. It's, it's, it's a cop-out, but also it's it probably makes sense. They'll wait for the government. And if the government announces a lockdown, then they'd either have to just go behind closed doors because that's what the government say, or they would work a bit more smartly than they would have initially when football had to stop because now they know or have a better idea of how yeah. to get people into grounds reduced, reduced capacity. capacity. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd like to think it wouldn't even be the 10,000 that the Etihad had. But um, I would imagine if if there had to be a curb on capacity, that it would be... There'd still be people in, I, I w- I'd like to think. Um, but God... Uh, let, let's not to go. It's the worst chat in the world, isn't yeah. it? Because let's, let's cross it's so that unavoidable. bridge when we come to it. Yeah, it's yeah. so like it's the only thing to talk about in the world at the moment. But it's just so depressing. Yeah. Um, so sorry to yeah. end the end the show on that note, everyone. Yeah, yeah, Merry yeah, Christmas. I, I, I didn't mean to bring everybody down, but yeah, it is our last show before Christmas. So have a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're doing a bonus show though, are we not? I mean, it won't be out before Christmas, but we may as well flag people up to look for it. We are yeah. getting Man City tactics from Twitter on so you'll get to hear us three talking about the patterns that city weave on the pitch like and he's much he's much better at it than we are isn't he so uh, i guess <laughs> don't we'll say that say, don't say that they'll, they'll, they'll well, want him back every week and not us i mean people have worked well well yeah but <laughs> they, they'll want nade on every week but yeah you get what you're given that's that's the christmas spirit yeah exactly it? <laughs> it's, it's us two yeah, exactly. Um, it does too, um, and you, you can you can have a you can have a nice treat occasionally. So yeah, later in the week we're going to record one with Man City Tactics, and we'll yeah. we'll think of we'll think of some very interesting topics to to cover there, and that'll be out what that'll be out at some point between yeah be, between Christmas, Christmas and Year. Year. It I, depends on the schedule, doesn't it? Yeah, it depends if that Brentford game goes ahead because if it doesn't, then uh, we got we got a lot of time to to kind of uh, whack it in there and stuff. So we'll uh, we'll we keep an eye on the feed. It will be uh, it'll be out at uh, at some point between Christmas and New Year. Uh, but for now, that's it for this episode of Why Always Us. So uh, thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Thanks very much, uh, and yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody! Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now with a thirty three percent discount. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.